Hello and welcome to the Inspired Equity podcast. My name is Richard Putherer and I am the founder of Inspired Equity, the London-based investment business that specialises in property acquisition and development. On this show, we'll discuss all aspects of successful property investing, covering everything from simple buy-to-let properties to multi-million pound developments. In this special five-part episode, I am delighted to share with you some recent Facebook Live recordings I co-hosted with my good friend and fellow international property investor, Peter Liam. In this fifth and final part of the episode, we're talking about what's next for us in property. You're on. We are live. Good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, depending on where you are in the world. My name is Richard Putherer, and I am super excited and delighted to be co-hosting this Facebook Live event with my good friend, entrepreneur, real estate rock star, Peter Leung from Hong Kong. Peter and I are both international property investors, and we've been hosting these Facebook Lives for the last five weeks now, talking all things property. We've covered things from how we got into real estate, raising capital, our biggest wins, our biggest losses, how to build relationships, expand your network. And today, our last event, we're gonna be talking about our current views on the market and what's next for us. So what are we gonna be investing in? These have all been completely unscripted, it's been great fun, and I'm somewhat sad that this is going to be our last one today, but also so excited that we've got about half an hour, 40 minutes of us having some great fun talking all things property. Peter, great to see you, buddy. How are you? I'm doing amazing. And you know, you're, you're like, this is the last one today. I'm like, man, how many are you doing? Uh, you know, it's great to see you, Richard. It is amazing. I look forward to this time every single week. And you know what? Thinking about this, I'm going, I'm feeling a little sad. Uh, I told my wife that I'm going to miss you. And, uh, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to survive now that I'm not going to see you every week, man? I, I just, just, I don't know, Peter. I know it's been the favorite part of my week. So 5 p.m. Thursday, UK time has been just so much fun. Um, but as they say, all good things <laughs> must come to an end. Let's finish on a high. So I'm going to ask you. <laughs> Peter, what's your current view on that? I mean, you invest in so many different countries. I mean, you've got to have a view on all of them in so many different places. What's your current view on the market? Well, let's, let's start with this. I mean, I'm currently located in Hong Kong. Yes, we do invest all over the world. So whether it's in the UK, primarily London, it's going to be Manchester, Liverpool, Birmingham, the whole bit, uh, or whether it's going to be in Hong Kong and China or assets in China or, uh, or Canada, whereas out yeah, west or east, so Vancouver, Seattle, sort of that side of west coast as well as the east coast. So, um, you know, I'll just touch on a few. I mean, certainly you, you, you're the expert and you, you're right on the ground. Um, you know where all the local bars and all the local pubs are, you, you know, and that's just for primary research of conversion, I know. So um, based upon that, I mean, you, you know the market, but in Hong Kong, I mean, we're going through phase three of, of sort of this COVID situation. And uh, so it means that, you know, we're, we're under a little bit more pressure and we're finding, so I did a primary study, right? So I like to walk the streets a little bit prior to, um, you know, so once a week I get out of the house. And uh, for the most part, I, I'm just walking the streets of uh, the CD areas. And you're finding a lot of commercial properties are really 
um, you know, from at the very beginning of COVID, you're probably looking at one in uh, about 20, I think it was 22 that were, that were starting to face vacancy. And we're now up to probably about five out of 22, right? Um, so the, the, the vacancies are really starting to stack up. I mean, you know, you've got, uh, you know, of course, as, as most people know, I do a lot more of the commercial side of things. And so you're starting to see a lot of the commercial projects actually really get detoured. So you've got the, the LVMH, you've got the, you know, the brand names to, you know, the AAAs to the, to the, to the A type of facilities as well as offices. But, you know, there's a lot of transactions actually happening in that space as well. So just because of people, you know, you know, that that's why I love the type of property we do. It's not necessarily the highest return. That's not what we aim for. We aim for the lowest risk for the best return. And because of that office space, it's very interesting because triple A uh, space has actually been very well occupied. So um, there, even if it's a minor adjustment in rent, what happens is the Bs are moving into the As, the Cs are moving into the Bs. So actually, the vacancies have been very, very limited in the office space. Surprise, but in the retail space, obviously that is hurting. And and with the highest per capita of restaurants in Hong Kong, in anywhere around the world, for amount of restaurants per capita, we're starting to see a lot of those. So the buying and selling of those businesses, as well as the, the residential or the, the, the retail space that some of these restaurants actually own and acquiring those are actually a really good deal. So we're finding um, with a crisis comes opportunity and we're finding of course that um, you know with a lot more uh, negotiating, with a lot more um, due diligence, with a lot more searching, we're finding that there are diamonds in the rough. So that's what we're seeing here. And I think that there's going to be plenty, plenty more in the next six, 12 months to come as the government bailouts get started to reduce. And that sort of goes the same way for Vancouver, or a lot of the AAA markets as well. So on to you, what's going on in your neck of the woods, Richard? Well, do you, do you know, Peter, and thank you for sharing your, your views on, on, on your local markets. Um, there, there's so much talk about so many things at the moment. And Absolutely. The, you know, at the beginning of COVID, people say, you know, the office is um, of a thing of yesterday. We no longer need an office because everyone is being so productive working from home, probably because everything else was closed. And, uh, you know, as as things start to open again, staff productivity is taking a sort of downward turn because they are able to go to pubs, restaurants, the leisure facilities are opening again. And um, so things are becoming back um, to normal-ish. And therefore, people's behaviours are going back to normal. So this view that the offices are a thing of the past is, in my uh, opinion, um, a, a, a false prediction. We still need a location, a destination to go to. You, know, you and I have talked in the past about working from home, working from, from offices. And sometimes it's good to get your head in that corporate mindset by being in a corporate environment. And the interaction with humans has a value um, to it that you it's not a monetary value but there's an intrinsic value to people to being able to communicate and connect together thoughts collaboration happen when people are together so uh, office space whilst um, maybe some of the co-working spaces have been quite quiet and low occupancy at the moment that will come back and uh, there will be some opportunities you know I love converting uh, office space into residential in the right areas and I'll come on to that in a moment but this, this whole thing about uh, offices, a thing of the past, I think it was a bit of a knee-jerk statement by many. Uh, we still need offices. Therefore, 
um, you know, with caution, they are, are still a good, solid investment, good rate of return. You were going to ask me a question. I, I am because, because of course, this is controversial, right? I mean, a lot of people you're saying as a, a bit of a knee jerk reaction, but is it just in the certain sectors? Like, is it, do you believe that the, the A's, the triple A's type of office tenancy is still going to be great, but you know, the B's and the C's, where you're not fetching that type of rent, it's not quite as well built. Is that sort of where, I mean, leading on to what you're doing, is that where the conversions might even present bigger opportunities? Because the C's are moving to the B's, the B's are moving to the A's, and the C's are now going to be vacant for the most part. And that's perfect for a conversion if it's in the right area. You've just hit the nail on the head. Some wise person once said location, location, location. And yeah, exactly right. It has to be in the right area number of things um, that we need to consider for that, that area. If you are right in the heart of uh, and, um, and, um, the corporate district of a city or town, um, you generally won't find residential areas. If you're looking at areas that um, could be connected to industrial areas, then whilst you might be able to convert that um, office into uh, residential, so beautiful apartments, the fact is that many of the lenders, so the mortgage uh, lenders, don't want to actually issue mortgages against those because they're in a wrong section, they're not in a residential area. I've seen mm. too many people, this isn't just a COVID thing, I've seen too many people caught out in previous years where they've converted a property because they can, but didn't actually look at all aspects of it. And then they're left holding this property that they can't sell to anyone that wants to get a mortgage on it. Most people want to get a mortgage. But then we add the mix of COVID into that. And, you know, um, when you're converting an office, you don't need to give people outside space necessarily. It's not you're converting on the permitted development, not for planning. But realistically, do people now want to buy an apartment where they have no outside space, even just the balcony? Um, mm. I'd suggest not. Then you put that into, um, put into the mix the the fact that you don't have the minimum space standards that you need to adhere to when you're converting uh, um, an office or industrial building into residential. And people have been really squeezing the size of these down. Now, the smallest permitted development uh, one bedroom apartment that we've ever done is 36 square meters. So pretty much on the um, minimum standard, give or take. Yes. Um, and we have always tried to factor in a space where you can put a workstation in the home because now, workspace, uh, sorry, home space needs to be versatile, yes. but um, others haven't paid consideration to that. And so outside space, workstation space is something that really needs to be given consideration to. And one of the best statements that one of my mentors told me in the early days is just because you can, Richard, doesn't mean you should. And Absolutely. that stuck with me so well, so just because I can make a tiny apartment and cram lots of people into a room with no outside space doesn't necessarily mean that I should. And you've always got to think about the desirability, the sales value. So um, location is key. You need to get into the psyche of the buyer and who or the, um, the tenant if you're going to keep all of these to, um, um, to rent because the world has changed in the last six months. And whilst in the next year or two, we might get back to old habits in terms of living accommodation, because if that's what people can afford, that's what they will take. But I think we need to be a lot smarter um, and think about what's the right thing to do when we're doing these developments. So, so here's the thing, Richard, how much, in your opinion, 
has COVID changed? I mean, like we're now getting into probably what I consider, you know, I, we t- I talked about this a lot on my podcast going how this, the phases of how COVID is really going to be impacting, you know, us in the real estate industry or even vice versa for those who are looking to rent or even looking to buy. So how much is this really impacted in, in terms of your business in terms of like what you're seeing going forward? Are you starting to go, you know, there's certain things that you were doing now that you're not so much doing or vice versa. Are you doing going, Hey, you know, I, I used to be interested in these, but I'm not so interested in those anymore. Is there, is there a fundamental change right at this point? Yeah, there's, there's been, uh, there have been quite a few changes, you know, at, at start, at the start, it was all about making sure that um, our current financial arrangements with our, uh, uh, our commercial lenders and then our uh, equity investors were secured. We needed to see what projects we could exit if we needed to, uh, and then making sure that we were continuing to focus on the future because uh, when the economy is going up, you make money in property. When the economy is flat, you make money in property. And when the economy is on a downturn, you really make money in property. And we didn't want to, um, to get too caught on being task-focused and not focus on the opportunities ahead. So then in answer to your question, uh, yeah, so the we didn't know how this was going to impact. So initially I was thinking, well, co-living, so accommodation where um, people are sharing some of the facilities, so maybe the um, kitchen facilities, is there going to be a desire of that going forward? But it seems that that's actually, demand has continued in the right style of property. We saw uh, an immediate uptake in one and two bedroom apartments, um, largely because people that wanted to move out of co-living wanted to take on the next smallest size property that they could do. Mm-hmm. Plus, there was the, the, the sad fact that after people being held together, locked together, maybe husbands and, and wives that decided they couldn't um, uh, coexist anymore, created um, uh, a, a, a large number of separations. And obviously, there needs to be uh, there's a demand for living accommodation goes up. So one and two bedroom apartments have been strong anyway. And so we'll continue um, uh, creating, converting, building those, whatever the particular building. But now I'm I'm actually starting to look for longer term projects now as well because you know when we had the last recession 2008 it took a while for the the market to come back and and when you look at it the uh, the properties I really made money on were the ones I bought in 2009 not um, the 2008 purchases so we've got that sort of downturn happening and then you need to see the uh, the market pick back up so I'm looking for actually land sites at the moment where I can go out and do ground up new builds because I'll see us exiting those projects, you know, 18, 24 months, which um, gives us a bit of a, um, a window to, to actually see the market settle. Now there's a little bit of um, crystal ball prediction in that, but um, it's you know, the market is quite volatile at the moment. We've got a lot of activity. I can see that that's actually gonna um, wind itself back in again towards the end of the year. So. That, that's that's my view. That that's well, what we're um, we're up to. So here, how about, how about I've, I've got tons of questions for you. So, but cool. I'll just I'll just ask this: Why do you think that there's a spike in activity in 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 around your area? Why why do you think it'll it'll it'll, it'll absorb itself down towards the end of the year? What what's your crystal ball prediction at this point? So I think there's heightened activity for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, people have been uh, held in their properties. They've um, realised that they might want more space. Uh, they might want outside space or just a, a change move out to the country from the city centres. 
so change in living circumstances so it's exciting for them to go right okay let's go and look at properties so heightened activity there there's also the natural pent-up demand the people that are looking to move that weren't able to move so that then gets condensed into a shorter time frame then we've got the stamp duty land tax so the purchase tax that's been um, removed in part for properties up to a certain value that creates excitement in the market and therefore um, people want to go out and spend plus there's still quite a lot of money people actually haven't when lockdown people haven't spent um, money so people have been able to put aside some capital plus there's i mean governmental support for businesses and if you're in a property business you could actually um, go and uh, use the government support to provide funds i'm not saying whether this is right or it should be done i'm just saying this is i'm i'm hearing this is happening so there's a lot of capital about it. people want to spend so it's creating a bit of a uh, a heightened activity which then we're seeing a lot of people say well actually i'm going to pay over the guide price or the asking price because i can afford it i want to get take advantage of the tax but then the uh the valuer comes out and we're starting to see the down values and sales are starting to collapse so you know with human nature big activity it gets everyone excited they feel like they should jump on and get involved as well so i think a lot of that has happened then um we'll see a bit of a, a slump where particularly when there's um commercial lending uh, against the properties the lenders will say we need to be cautious we don't know what's going on in the market therefore we're going to downvalue it sales fall through uh, and that's when people start to panic plus governmental support is going to wind back in uh, for um, the following of staff come October and sadly I think we're going to see a lot of redundancy so there's there's going to be a lot of change we haven't seen the full effects yet so my personal opinion based on the facts that I've um, been um, consuming and then also looking at how things um, worked in 2008 you know there's uh, there's a circumstance that happens it takes a while for that to reach if you like street level my view very cool very cool but i mean this is the this is the part i mean you you bring that on but you know if you look at 08 you look at a gfs um uh, or a gfc you're is this fundamentally different we've, we've had this sort of discussion amongst you know our, our group and and our and our team and then also at the same time we've discussed with you know even our tenants what what is their way of handling this i mean we've we've pivoted um you know some of the things i was what i would do before i don't necessarily do as much anymore so we did even things like parking spots like parking space uh very low maintenance very high return in the in in, in the chinese area and in, in, in china so we would do things, you know, that multi multi-family stuff in in the U.S. or you know in the Canadian space where we did um, where we did more apartments. But the way I, I sort of you know we've made that pivot from the standpoint of again going back to where my core is is the commercial aspect of you know we've looked at a lot of banks and 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 actually tenanting tenanting the banks or financial institutions. We've looked at tenanting the organizations like uh, grocery stores because nobody wants to travel so far anymore. Nobody wants to wait in these big box stores, you know, 25,000 square foot. They want the, hey, you know, convenience level. They want to be, hey, if anything did happen, I, I have something nearby. I don't have to travel very far. So a lot of change in the fundamental element. I mean, you're more into the residential space. 
commercial residential space, whereas I'm more in the the the, the commercial, you know, AAA tenant, you know, big box or you know, you know, nationwide tenants type of facility, because I'm more of the holding. So we're we're, we're I think more and more that even the demand for those actually very interestingly, Richard, has been actually dropping. But those are where I'm finding actually very inspirational deals because the people are actually liquidating their assets that are not in the highest return. But they're the safest, most steady, like it's like it runs like clockwork. But they're getting out of those to either prepare for the piece of land that they have that they want to develop that they didn't, you know, they didn't develop before, but now they're sort of having to, because now they're going, okay, if I don't continue to do this. So there's a, I feel that there's a bit of a, not just feel, but I see there's an influx, especially in the Canadian market that either the ones that haven't really quite done at processing in terms of planning, what you call planning or, or city council and everything else of that nature, those ones are being pushed off right? Especially the ones that are luxury. And then the ones that are inexpensive, they're going really fast ahead. So they're just going bang, 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 because they're looking to to liquidate some of the core holdings to be able to build these buildings so they can flip those around fairly quickly. So it's actually offered quite a bit of um, interesting opportunity in what used to be not that exciting, but it's now that bread and butter has been phenomenal because that will chug around 15% IRR per year. So it's just something that we can go, you know what, we buy tenant, we hold, and it'll produce and it'll produce for us. And that's what, that's sort of what, what was really great in sort of 2015, 2016, to the point where now today, we're looking at going back to some of those things, because we couldn't even find those. We were looking at, you know, commercial AAA stuff at like next to like one, one and a half, two percent cap rates to like for a really good tenant to, you know, maybe three or light industrial. So again, because of COVID, we're really able to go, let's let's make this really big pivot. Light industrial, warehouse, uh, mixed use, those are, those are really on my radar. And we've landed and done due diligence on so many of them because, and, and we're picking the creme, creme de la creme because that is going to be in style. And, you know, with all the e-commerce that's going to happen, the commercial space in those arenas, the light industrial, the, 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 the warehousing space, the things for robotics, the things that for automation, that is huge in demand. That's huge in demand in Hong Kong, uh, where, you know, previously I was able to do a facility for the, 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 the second uh, dishwashing, fully automated dishwashing facility in Hong Kong. So everything's fully automated. All right, six people, 32,000 square foot. So everything's changing. And I think that's really, um, you know, the, the type of assets we're, we're looking for is going to be more consistent and driven uh, in the long term. And I think that's, that's what we're really focused on at this point. Sounds, sounds amazing, Peter. And I, I, I know how busy you are at the moment. I mean, you're just short of midnight now. I think, well, no, no, you're just after midnight now, aren't you? And I message you and come all hours of the day. You are um, active and uh, um, at um, at real estate. So it, it's so cool to see. And uh, I, you know, uh, it's, it's, I just absolutely adore to see how um, many deals that you, um, you do. It's, it's inspirational it really is. Well, I, I appreciate that. So where, where, what, what's your prediction at this point? I mean, we've got 10 minutes, right? 
like we say, I mean, we always plan for like 1230 to wrap up, but it's never happened, right? Because we just, yeah. we love to share and we, and we love, I love to learn from you and vice versa. So how is this, what is your future view, you know, 12 months out? So what, what, what are you thinking 12 months out at this point? So, uh, yeah, good, good, good question. Uh, I, uh, this is just a prediction because naturally we, we um, can't actually say this is cast iron going to happen. Uh, I firmly believe that residential uh, uh, prices will drop at the end of the year, beginning part of next year. So the, um, the government, whilst they gave this um, reduction in the purchase tax, I think that could be negated by potential losses. So if the, the deals that we're looking at um, costing and offering on and securing need to be, uh, we need to de-risk and that's exactly what we are doing. Um, the, uh, so I think, um, I, I haven't mentioned this um, on one of our earlier calls, but uh, a, a great strategy is to look at the completed units at the moment, because the national home buyers are still producing vast quantities of new built homes on, uh, on large estates. And depending on what happens with the market, you know, we'll um, potentially look at buying in bulk so we can get a much greater um, bulk reduction on those. So that's a long-term equity, was well, a medium-term equity play. So you can actually buy completed units, tenant them out, uh, and you've got that equity that builds and you've de-risked them in your purchase. Okay, um, I've, got one, I've got one question for you. Sorry to interject. Where do you see Airbnb in 12 months? Oh, see, I do you know actually in November last year, I did a presentation on, um, you know, properties like no other, it's like any other business, it's supply and demand, uh, and you need to ensure that you're continually evolving. Um, the, the demand cycles change, you know, if you look at, for example, student accommodation 20 years ago, which is a short period of time when you're looking at uh, real estate, um, what was supplied back then wouldn't even get a look in today. Uh, and today, these um, the standard of accommodation, now if it doesn't have super fast fiber broadband, they're not even going to look into it. It's all super high quality, modern, purpose-built accommodation. Um, so um, the, uh, the, the, um, what I did on diversification, this presentation was talking looking at that. And then I said, but it's larger than just um, the property type, it's entire areas. And I did aerial views from Google of certain seaside towns in the UK that within eight years have gone almost like ghost towns. So service accommodation is, um, it's a great strategy. I was only talking about it with one of my clients earlier, actually. I don't, I don't do service accommodation. Um, there's uh, seasonal trends, particularly um, if they're in uh, holiday locations. So it's famine and feast in terms of revenue. I like good static um, revenue, solid month in, month out. Uh, it's, it's just a business model that I prefer. Um, areas, you know, during COVID, service accommodation, absolute nightmare. People got big costs, uh, no revenue coming in against it. But the flip side of COVID has meant they're now all making hay whilst the sun shines, literally, because we're not allowed to fly anywhere. So service accommodation is booming. Um, but, um, you know, you've got overheads. It's not just like a property that you tenant and then can give to um, a normal letting agent. You know, there you need to change over. You've got the linen. It's like a hotel um, sector type property. So much larger costs, 
famine and feast, um, but it really does work. And I know some people are, are making a lot of money. I know, that, Peter, you do service accommodation. It's not a strategy I deploy. Um, it's uh, in the right areas, so city centres instead of hotels, it works. But COVID, you know, for four months really hurt that sector. Uh, holiday homes is good. You just need to predict the right areas, have the right property. So um, good income generator, um, but people just see all of the upside and don't sometimes factor in the labour, the costs, uh, and, and just the, um, the, um, the, the effort that goes into service accommodation. But it's a good strategy. Very cool. Thank you for your prediction. It's uh, well, I, it's it's just a view, and I, I in twelve I, months we're gonna watch this and see if you're right. Uh, I'm I'm <laughs> certainly no, I, who knows. Just look, I love studying trends, looking at um, uh, data from previous economic downturns, the time it takes to recover. They're never exactly the same, but they follow a pattern. People's behaviors always follow a pattern as well. Um, so. Uh, and people have a short memory. So um, I, I like watching that uh, um, and just being able to try and look forward and then pick the right time. I believe right. prices are going to drop. They, they'll, they'll, I think within um, 12 months to 18 months, they'll start being on the rise again, uh, or if not, got back to, to neutral, and then we'll see a positive upturn. Out of economic downturn, there is always, always opportunity. It's making sure that you um, buy in a, a um, controlled and strategic manner. You're absolutely right, Richard. I think yeah, and, that, you can bang on. And so I'm going to spin that back around to you. So uh, I say you are, you're in like five different continents. So I need predictions for all of these continents, Peter. Uh, yeah, well, here, here's the thing. I, I do see that there is going to be hyperinflation this time around. So that's different from GFC, that's going to be different from any other time. So just like you have studied a lot of the, the economies, but in reality, this time around, you, you look at, uh, even in previous economies, you look at the US dollar. So I do study elements of, of that nature and look at the currency and where the fluctuations, right? So, you know, what, as, as you know, that uh, because I, part of the reason why I deal with multiple continents, not because I don't, I just love to fly. It's because that actually, because of the multi-currency, multi-asset strategy, that allows me to de-risk and provide consistent stability amongst properties for investors and, 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 and the likes, well, including myself. So that gives a level of stability because what goes up must come down and what goes down must, must come up, right, as, as you were pointing out. So in various markets, I think this is where the big, the big changes are going to come. Unlike other, uh, and you're bang on, people do exactly what people do, right? Behaviors don't change because of COVID for a short period of time, yes, but it depends on how long this prolonged period of time of COVID really lasts. Does it actually end up becoming a, this becoming normal, right? So you have Google, you have Amazon, you have a lot of organizations that are now really going, okay, yes, you can work from home, but the amount of space, are you having more social distance where it used to be two feet? Now you're talking about, yes, because now you need social distancing. If you're in the office, you need four feet, but half the amount of people are coming to work. So really did the amount of space really drop? So that's something that we'll, we'll have to look in, you know, in the future. But I think a lot of the changes that are happening today will uh, will be short-lived, right? You look at the American dollar, the DXY is really low, right? At this point, you have all the currencies. You have you have the fact of the matter of the pound going to 
you know, nearly touching one, well, actually 1.324, right, yesterday. So I look at some of these things and you look at the factors, not the pound went stronger, it's because the dollar went weaker. It's because of the amount of money that is flooding the market. You can see that in the financial industry, you can see that in bonds, you can see that in equities, you can see that FX. So with that being said, I think this is a fundamental, which is going to be hyperinflation. And the part I I'm unsure of, and we have yet to see that because in all countries, we're still getting to the point where we're getting out of phase one. Phase one being really government has not even stopped printing money, right? In the context of everything, it seems like, hey, you know, we're having lockdown, we're having this and this. But at the end of the day, we're still at like just getting on the border where the government is stopping or reducing the amount of bailouts. And so in the context of things, we're really, really early in this in, in this game still. And because of that, ultimately, that's what I see of, of, of the prediction is will actually properties drop significantly? May not be. And it's and and the and the only reason why, you know, a lot of people go, oh, I can it can crash and all this. You have to search for deals. People are not going to give you a great deal and hand you it on a platter. That is for sure. They're still going to ask the world you have to negotiate for it. So it doesn't matter what the asking price is. I think that the, or, or your, you know, your, your, your valuations and all that, I think that's one factor, but the negotiation is going to be a sec an entirely different ball of wax. And the only reason why I say that is because of the hyperinflation that we're about to have. And because of that hyperinflation, that is going to cause, you know, P, you know, we talk about very quickly PPE and all this other stuff. All the countries are going, hey, instead of getting it from China, we need to now produce it ourselves. Well, where are we going to get the warehousing space? Where are we going to get the manufacturing space? Where are we going to have the light industrial? So all of a sudden, there's a huge demand in certain asset classes. And those asset classes aren't going away. You're not going to have light industrial that's going to be five-story high. That's not going to be the case because you can't get trucking. You can't get in all that. So those are, I would say, if I was to take, if I was a betting man, I guess all Chinese people are betting people. But anyway, with that being said, um, I think that that industry, these sectors are going to boom before or faster than the other sectors. And all real estate in that essence, I mean, if you look back 10, 20 years, basically it doesn't matter where you picked in the UK, the prices have gone up, right? And that's just because of the nature of the, the money supply. And we're still starting to see that the money supply is so ample. You see that in Hong Kong, prices have doubled and tripled, right? In, in, even since 1997 in the handover. You got Canada, you got US, the prices have escalated so much because of the nature of the devaluation of the money. And so that's why we want to be in not timing the market, but we want to be invested in the market. And that's what that's what I'm seeing. But picking the right asset classes, picking the ones that you know the, the financial institutions will love because they're they're ultimately more cautious as a cost of fund basis to make sure that their assets are not in default. So from that standpoint, and that's where I think the relationships really, really matter, right, Richard? And we talked about this in the last couple of episodes, right, where that is really a fundamental key. But anyway, I'm, that's a broad base for many of the markets I'm looking at, certainly. So, um, you know, lots are going to be happening. And I look forward to sharing, you know, lots more time with you, Richard. I know that, um, you know, even though I'm not going to see you every week, you know, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss you. But at the same time, I, I know that, uh, you know, you're, you're keeping well, you're, you're, you're excited, you're having fun. And I know that we're both going to crack on and, and make great things happen. I'd love to find you know, a time and a space and the, and the right project for us to collaborate. 
So I'm looking truly forward to that, Richard. I am too, Peter. I know we've looked at these in the past and uh, it wasn't that we couldn't agree terms. It was the uh, the, the, the actual opportunity that wasn't actually a, um, a right deal to, to go for. But I would absolutely love to uh, uh, do some deals with you, Peter. It's about time that we did. We've known each other a long time now. Uh, we have, a, I think, a similar outlook, similar work ethic. And uh, it would be wonderful to collaborate with you on um, on a project. We should um, we should do this when the right time. Hey, we'll we'll find. There's plenty of opportunity, plenty of deals. And so, you know, wrapping this up, is there anything you know? Final words. I know that we're like a minute over time, but yeah, it's our last one, and we were a little late. So, any final last thoughts from you, Richard? Yeah, I'm 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 going to give. A uh, another. I gave a saying earlier on that I, I always sit at the back of my mind. I am going to give another one as a um, parting thought. It's one I use a lot. Just because a property is for sale doesn't mean you should buy it. You know, there's a lot going on out there. Um, you need to make sure that you're making educated and strategic purchasing decisions. Um, factor in what you can for the uh, coming market conditions, but. Don't be scared off the um, UK property market. The, um, for my home, I also invest in the US. I know you know, they're both exceptional markets. Peter, you're in a number of other locations too. The great thing about real estate, if you do it in an educated fashion, you can make significant money. It's really where the wealth is at. But just because a property is for sale doesn't mean you should buy it. You need to make sure that it's the right property for your strategy. That's my parting thought. Boom. That is amazing, Richard. So Peter, one from you. Um, all right. So my closing remarks are this. I think that the, you know, I've looked at, for me, long and story short, you know, all of you know that I didn't come from a real estate background. My parents didn't do any of this. We were actually so adverse to buying homes or buying anything assets wise, because we think that, you know, interest rates would do this, interest rates would do that. And so it was a prediction. And really, at the end of the day, most people didn't get, you know, we didn't get educated. My parents didn't get educated about property. And really, you know, at the very beginning, work with other people. It is so totally okay. Don't feel that you have to hog all deals because there's plenty of properties to buy, right? But at the same time, you know, be active in the market. You have to go through, you have to, you know, our mutual coach actually says you have to kiss a lot of frogs to find the prince. Right. And, and, and that's exactly what has to happen. You got to go, you know, knock on a lot of doors. And I think a lot of times people have a stereotype on, on, on property investor being, well, Hey, you know, it's all this glamor, but it comes with the work, right? Like anything, it comes with the work. It's just not the glamor. And that's why we talked about, you know, the, the, the biggest wins and, and the toughest losses. Um, but really my wrap up point is this. I'm looking at, uh, you know, you know, whether it's from an angeling perspective, private equity basis, whether it's from a hard money lending basis, there's so much opportunity. Find a way that you can serve the market, right? And whether you are wanting to buy property, flip property, hold property, you know, facilitate or source on property or do mortgage brokering or even, uh, you know, the legalities, you know, what I've come to realize, there is different parts of this equation. Find the people that you can connect with find the people that you can do business with that you love, that you enjoy, that you trust and, you know, find the synergies in that. And that's what, that's what, how you and I started talking at the very beginning. We just love each other. We love the synergies, you know, be close to the fire and just go out there. You know, don't be afraid to go try. It doesn't mean go try and just go, Hey, I'm just going to buy something and try. 
right? It means I'm going to try knocking on doors. I'm going to try to talk to people. I'm going to try to, you know, build those relationships. And that is irreplaceable as a, what I call a high income skill and determine that high income skill because whether it's real estate or not, I know that we talk about real estate a lot, but we're investors at heart and we're business people at heart. So at the end of the day, what I can say is determine that high income skill, determine that ability, whatever in the equation of real estate or in around, and that's where opportunities are still going to come, right? And this is that time that you can be a specialist, develop those skills coming on the next 18 months. That is going to be a million dollar, million pound skill. That's my point of view. And that's how I started. And I, that's how I'm going to wrap up here. So, um, you know, Richard, I love you, man. Love you, Peter. You know, I've that was five weeks very so quickly. Much. Sorry? That was five weeks very quickly gone by. It, it whistled by, didn't it? And I, but as I said earlier, they've been my favorite. It was my highlight of the week. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope everyone that's been watching has enjoyed it and finds it useful as well. Peter, you're amazing. Thank you, buddy. I love you, brother. Thank you very much, guys. Have a great night. Well, that wraps up this five-part episode. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about what we do or to get to know us, please visit inspiredequity.com. Join us on our next show for more interactive property discussions. Until then, I wish you good health and continued success. Go out there and be inspired.